Hi everyone, and welcome to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm your DJ and host, Sam Wilson Jr., as I bring you the history of black music, gospel, jazz, blues, old school classic soul, old school hip hop, today's hip hop and R&B, Caribbean, Latin, Afrobeat, Afro-Latina, Blue-Eyed Soul, Disco, Go-Go, Line Dances, and The Lost 45s. So come with me as I take you on a trip to the history of Black music, right now on the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. and this is the Black Soul Music Experience. On this episode, I had a pleasure to talk with my friend and we have been friends for over 47 years. We had lived on 1545 Rylander Avenue in the Bronx, New York. We used to go to each other's apartments. We used to hang out together. We used to go to trips together. And most of all, we went to church together. And yes, I invited him to come to my church, Community Protestant Church in the Bronx, New York. And 34 years ago this year, we were both deacons in training. Now, in the early 90s, he joined the Deuteronomous Mass Choir, which was conducted by the late Jay Nixon. And I want to find out what Corey is doing right now. I had a wonderful time talking to my very good friend. So I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I do as I bring you this week's guest my friend, Mr. Corey Leonard. Welcome to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. And on my episode, I would like to meet to you a good friend of mine. And we've been friends for over 47 years. And we used to live on 1545 Rylander Avenue in the Bronx, New York. And I was there back in March of 1975. He moved in a year later. We used to go to each other's apartments. I would go to his apartment. He would come to my apartment. We used to go on the playground together. We would go to, you know, different outings together and more than that. But most importantly, I had invited him to my church, Community Protestant Church, where it was in the co-op city section of the Bronx, New York. And 34 years ago, we were both deacons in training. And later he went on to stardom and he was in the Dunamis Mass Choir. And we're gonna talk about that, all that in a few minutes. So without further ado, I would like for you to meet my guest on the Black Soul Music Experience, my good friend, Mr. Corey Leonard. Hi, Corey. How you doing? How you doing, Sam? Thank you for inviting me over to the uh, Black Soul Music Experience. Uh, I feel honored to be a part of this. Um, let's ready to get into it, brother. Yes, welcome to my podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. You know I have been struggling to get guests on my podcast ever since I started this thing for, for two years. 
But uh, now we're we're right on the road. We're bringing things up, and and I'm very delighted that I got in touch with you and things like that. So you know, there's an old saying: when there's a funeral, there's a reunion. And I've always, you know, been thinking about you ever since you moved back <laughs> to where you're georgia now where are you originally from from georgia what part of georgia were you living in actually from the, it's about 70 miles southwest of atlanta small town called franklin um basically there's only one street light in old town <laughs> to give you an idea uh but very small humble beginnings uh you know it was, uh, my grandfather had a farm uh he actually um is uh, basically, you know, has civil rights leader as well, a deacon of the church, and he also becoming a minister himself. Uh, so, it, you know, family, um, the way we made, how they made money for themselves, basically, he was always selling, selling things. He drove the bus for the, for the school district, and uh, each of the 11 children that they had, you know, they, they were very successful to those on their own, of which one was my mother. And, uh, Eventually, after you know college and everything, and then uh, having me, we moved to Kansas City and eventually making our way up to New York. Now, as I said, you know I've lived at fifteen forty-five Rylander Avenue back on March eighth, nineteen seventy-five, and it was on a Saturday. And like you and and your parents, uh, y'all had moved up there a year earlier now like i said we've been friends for a long time we've been been friends for 47 years living at 1545 rylander avenue and i lived in the lobby apartment lf and you lived on the second floor and like i said you know we be, we've been friends together for a long time i've been coming to your apartment you came to my apartment you know we used to play toys and games together and we used to go to the playground together with some of the other kids that were in the building playing baseball roller skating and and things like that so we had that special bond that same chemistry friendship that's right he, Yes, it's been a blessing, but most importantly, you know, when I became member of Community Protestant Church back in the spring of 1978, and, you know, the same time my late mother became a member back in March, the same day that my little sister Erica was christened, and, and then by April I was baptized and I became a member in May of 1978. And then when a Sunday school Sunday school superintendent had said, bring your friend to church. And I said, you know, I said, I, I had to mention you. So we, we both took the bus together. We went to CPC where it all started in the annex at 2053 Ash Loop North in Co-op City section of the Bronx. And we've been friends together and we were both Deacons and training 34 years ago. That is a blessing. You agree? Yeah. It's funny. Um, since you shared that, uh, actually, uh, Reverend Nolan and my dad, they were friends. Um, I'm not sure how they hooked up, but uh, Reverend Nolan and my dad, Ocean Leonard, was, they were really tight. I think my dad was with the Parks Department at one point, and I guess Reverend Nolan had just 
I recently got to ETCU. So at the same time when you and I would have a relationship there, they were they were good buddies at the time. Wow, I didn't know that because you know, yeah. Wow, because yeah, because you know, you know, Pastor, you may not say anything because every time when I tell him that I have cousins, you know, on my late father's side of the family, he didn't know because he thought, you know, I was part of the Coy family, you know, my stepfather and, you know, my my step relatives, including Erica's aunt, um, Aileen Coy, who is now our associate minister at CPC. And, you know, every time, even though mom was married to her new family, the Coy family, I always share that at mom's funeral don't forget i'm from the first family that's me and my late older sister waltrina we came from the first family that i would find out later that i will be related to the cousin of the late mary mcleod bethune and a tuskegee airman that was something that my late aunt Catherine had shared that with me back in 2002 when I came down for my birthday vacation and she recently went to a Middleton reunion and I was in Montreal because our church had went to the Montreal Jazz Festival in 2000, no, not Montreal, the Hampton Jazz Festival in Hampton, Virginia at the Hampton Coliseum. So when I came back home, my aunt Catherine was sharing that with me. And when I came down in Maryland, um, in October, during my birthday vacation, she shared that with me. And I said, man, all through the years, you know, I would never knew that I'd be related to the family that made contributions to this country. And every time my late mother took me to the library, you know, I was reading, you know, sports books. I was reading black history books. I was reading all kinds. And, you know, I would never knew that somewhere down the line, and especially all the youth in our church at CPC, they know who Mary McLeod Bethune was. They knew about the Tuskegee Airmen. They knew about Dr. Charles Drew. They knew about everybody. So when back in 1982, they started doing the Black History Workshop. So part one, they would have a guest from different colleges and universities from the NYC, and then part two, all of our choir members, they would tell us who were their musical influences and, you know, things everyone, one person will be influenced on Aretha Franklin, one will be influenced on Paul Robertson, and one will be influenced on opera singer Leononi Price and things like that. So I would never knew that I would be related to the family chain. And yes, when I, went to all of my Middleton and Wilson Dix family reunions, most of my cousins, not only from Harlem, where I hail from the village of Harlem, USA, but now I have some cousins living in the Bronx and upstate New York and Connecticut and out in Brooklyn and Queens and Long Island. And then I have some more in New Jersey and more in Philly, Pennsylvania, and Detroit, Michigan, and yes, Washington, D.C., and parts of Maryland and parts of Virginia. They call it the DMV because, you know, I-495, the Beltway circles around. And then the rest is down in North and South Carolina because our Middleton and Wilson 
Bass is from Charleston. That's the Middletons. And the Wilsons represents Mainsville. So that's base number one. Base number two is the DMV. That's D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Our third base is New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And the fourth base is, yes, the Middletons. That's out in Hollywood, Los Angeles, California. So I have most of my relatives that were in the ministry, the media, education, and politics. So I fall in all of those categories. Wow. Rich heritage, man. <laughs> yes, rich heritage. And, and like Pastor always, he still doubts. <laughs> so you never know because every time when I tell Pastor, you know, I'm from that family chain, he, he still doubts. He's not saying anything. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's just kind of like that because, you know, ever since Sunday school has started in 82, we're still doing it today. So we still have a couple of youngsters, you know, they were bringing their own things, something they, they can relate to, you know, anything from, from today's music and, and things like that. So I would try to find something that would match that because I'm, I'm doing the radio thing because we bring in WCPC, but that's the fake station. We're just trying to do that, you know, for our church. So like every February during Black History Month, you know, we will have a few students who will bring in their presentations. So instead of giving it to them, they will bring their own, including some that we may not know of. And then there are some that we do know of. And there are some that, um, you know, predicting what's going to be in the future. That's all right, man. I hear that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. So anyway, um, who were your favorite singers um, growing up? Oh, wow. That's a that's a that's a loaded question there, man. <laughs> um, I, this is, there's so many great singers, but uh, I think from I love, I'm going to break them off into two different sections. Uh, so uh, and actually, I'm more so uh, in terms of music. Yeah, music uh, influences that that hit me the most probably, secularly it would be probably number one would be Stevie Wonder without question. Um, guy's a genius. Uh, during those years I first came to New York, you know that's the five albums he had. You know then it's his heyday was phenomenal. <laughs> you know he had the heart and the beat of the city. Uh, not just to save the world. I mean, he didn't make a difference. He, he just was so good and can play so many different instruments. And he can riff like crazy, you know. <laughs> so he would be one. And then probably the other one, probably years later, uh, would, and I'm talking about from a musician's perspective, would be Prince. Um, Prince and anyone coming out of that whole uh, Minneapolis sound kind of thing. They had, a, you know, they really were very, very, very good. As far as Voice-wise, I mean, I mean, wow. I mean, it's, it's a lot of folks, depending on whether it's soul music, whether it's, uh, you know, regular street R&B, uh, jazz, bebop. It's a lot of, it's so many different folks. I mean, of course, Marvin Gaye would be a great, uh, a great singer. Sam Cooke. Um, oh, God, I used to love uh, Earth, Wind & Fire. Uh, the songwriters is wonderful. Um, so a lot of stuff. On the, on the gospel side of the house, 
would probably be, I mean, he talked, you know, coming up, James Cleveland was the man. His interest, Andre Crouch, uh, the Hawkins family. I love the Clark sisters. But the one that influenced my life in terms of really getting serious about God was uh, was the Winans and Commission. So those, those brothers, they're the ones that actually got me and really questioning and, and wanted to seek and search and, you know, and that's what, you know, those are my, the groups that really impressed upon me. And of course, later on, there's, again, the traditional uh, choir music, or, you know, you got, you have your, uh, the Tommy, Milton Trunson, the Tommy, the Tommy Scream Singers, which I, I, could, I still love to this day with, you know, they're not, you know, Mrs. Fast on Thomas Whitfield, uh, of course, Hezekiah, the guy's got to represent New York. <laughs> um, uh, so I love Fellowship, which is Hezekiah's choir. Um, of course, I got to say Dunamis, Jay. Uh, but being part of that, I'm trying to get out of that. New York Restoration is another one. There's, a, there's so many in Brooklyn and Queens and Long Island. I couldn't even, because a lot of these people I'm friends with, and I know. So it's, it's just a lot of gospel artists that had influence on me. Yeah, because same thing here, because I was brought up on all types of music, all black music. And, you know, when my mother had to go to work, when she once worked at Lincoln, Lincoln Hospital and then later Jacoby Hospital, she would drop me off at my maternal grandparents' house, her, her parents, when they lived on East 168th Street between Fulton and 3rd in the Bronx with a 3rd Avenue L rolls by. Granddaddy will start playing all of Motown 45s, all of Atlantic album 45s. And then he was playing some stacks, you know, when he took that. Yeah, because when Granddaddy took out that Isaac Hayes LP called the Isaac Hayes Movement, I saw that album cover and I said to myself, is he swirling a bowl of cream of wheat? And then well, I looked at the back cover and he was in this black and white, you know, suit. I was like saying, is he blind or like cross blinded or something like that? And then when I opened up the album cover, I said, there he is. That's his trademark, Shades and Chains. And once, yes. And once I've listened to the music, that's when I got exposed. He started talking or rapping and then segue into the song because he was doing all the remakes of all the songs. So he took those songs, stripped it, stretched it as far as wide as the eye can see. He would stretch it from three minutes up until like 15 minutes, four songs too long. And I was like, man, it was kind of like, it, I was exposed to everything. So when I was dropped off at my maternal aunt's house, or should I say her apartment in the Bronx when she was living on East 141st Street, then moved to Cypress Avenue near St. Mary's Park, my aunt Kathleen would play gospel music all day, whether it's, whether it's the Reverend James Cleveland or Shirley Caesar or the Edwin Hawkins singers and Walter and all the gospel quartets and, and choirs and groups. She would be playing it all day. And like on that Sunday morning, we'd be in church all day. We'd be going to different storefront churches in the Bronx. And, you know, they moved around the Bronx before they moved to Harlem and, and things like that. 
So when I was dropped off at my mom's babysitter's house in the 70s, when we was living on Harrison Avenue, they were, they were playing some Lost 45s. And then by 72, you know, I was dropped off at my, another babysitter. They were playing Philly International and they were playing some other funk stuff. And it's like, man. And then one time, yes, one time, my late mother had those old eight track tapes, not, not the ones that we used to listen to back in the day, but someone did a homemade eight track tape for my mom. So they will still play the song. You hear they, they will have that eight track. They will play it through. So I looked at this. It was all the various artists. It's just like back in the day when you had KTEL and Ronco and Adam eight and those other things, those products back in the day. So I was like exposed to everything. And then one time my late mother had a couple of jazz albums. So I was exposed to everything from Aretha to Roberta Flack to Herbie Mann to some other jazz. And then when we, when we moved to the Wakefield session, we used to live on East 226th Street. So we lived in that two family house and my late grandmother used to come up and we had some Jewish family that lived upstairs. And then by the spring of 73, when they moved out, there was another black family that moved in, but they were from Jamaica West Indies and they were my babysitters. So I usually go upstairs, see them, you know, I was exposed to their culture and then they would start playing Caribbean music. And that's when I got exposed to that. And that's, you know, that's when I met my future stepfather. So he would play some Bob Marley and the Wailers and some other reggae artists. And then WLIB had, you know, was committed to doing Caribbean music on Saturday morning. So they would play that from sign on time until 10 in the morning and then play some of that lost soul music until they sign off at 7.15. So I was exposed to all music back in the day you know before you know when hip-hop moved in and and then some reggaeton and some other line dances that came in so i was exposed to all black music you know whether you're young or old and when mom do the birthday parties for me when i was little we didn't care if it was young or old or black or white we just played it you know strictly for everyone you know that was before Erica's time, and that was before my niece's time. So you hear today's music, some, you know, I do like, and there's some, you know, with all the cussing and stuff. And then, but but back in the day, you know, everybody was just all family. So we had our, you know, we had neighbors over. My mom had her friends over, and, you know, everybody, you know. You know, it was just like family back in the day. So we, we keep it knit. And, and and things like that. Yeah. Memory lane there. <laughs> yeah. So the proof is in the pictures. So when I I found those pictures in that blue bag, I put them in the photo album because you know how mom is. Mom usually have the pictures, but they she put them like in a, in somewhere I don't know where. But the last picture before mom died. It was an old picture, and it was on a Polaroid picture. I'm sure you remember that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, those, those Polaroid picture cameras. And 
even though she may not take care of him, but there was a little coffee stain. So I had to take it to one of the African brothers on, on Boston Road in the Bronx, and they had to uh, resurface it. So everything was all new. So I still posted the old picture on my Facebook, the original one. So when I come over to the house, it's uh, new and improved. Everything digitalized. So everything has been restored. So that was the last wish. And then, yes, I did music for, my, for mom's birthday party back in 2016 for her 74th birthday. I played everything, all music, everything. She loved it so much. Now, she at first, when I told her that I was going to be in the media, getting ready to do radio, and she was like, are you crazy? Does, does that pay you for the tax benefits? Does that pay you, you know, for your social security and things like that? You don't get that much money. So, you know, it was kind of that something that I was wanted to do because back in the early 80s after my paternal grandmother, mom's mother-in-law from the first marriage had passed away on April 30th and the funeral was the Mother's Day weekend. I was listening to this station um, WPFW, that's PBS, and they were playing Mother's Day songs. And I said to myself, if I would, if they would have that in New York, and you know, that would be a dream come true. When Kiss FM came on, they were playing Mother's Day all weekend and Christmas and things like that. So I said to myself, I wasn't happy what was changing in the decades, were changing with music and things like that. So when I got into the media, you know, I went to trade school and my first choice was radio broadcasting, but then I got turned down by the first one. So the second choice I had was art and design. So my late, my late uncle, he was in the advertising agency and my late grandfather has shared that with me. And he once worked in an advertising agency that was founded by the daughter of Chico Marx. And my late uncle Walter was the one who did the Muriel cigar commercial. It was kind of like extraordinary thing. Disney was just getting ready to sign him. But unfortunately, he and my uncle Joe and my dad and, and their brother-in-law, they went to the Korean War. So everything was kind of like, you know, thinking was something. So that was something that my late cousins from the Wilson family had shared it with me. That was something that Granny didn't share that. So I said to myself, now I realize I come from that lineage that made everything. Although I wasn't that good in art like my late uncle, but, you know, I always imagined some things and not as good, you know, as my mom would say, you should be a mechanic fix some cars because she was looking for somebody to fix something. So I said that that's, that's not my field. That's not my field. That's not, that's not my field. Mm -mm. Sorry, mommy. That's not my field. So, so when I graduated from trade school and then things like that, radio kept calling me. So every time I started buying LPs and then everything, and then right before CDs and everything, I started like, collecting stuff and then when i worked for cbs they you know they records were still there before they moved out because records were sold to sony back in 1987 so when i start 
getting stuff from Columbia House, everything that I, you know, wanted to play and need and, and things like that, you know. I, I still got them, and most of them I still burning them on a CD and everything. So, you know, I'm just learning from the DJs and, and things like that. So that's how I learn and watch. And, you know, I would pay close attention. So everything that you see or hear when you, when you see my pictures doing DJ gigs and things like that, you know, everyone, when, when our church had family and friends day or a Christmas party, I would be there playing the music. And then one of the people that came to me say, they love you. I love your music. You got a copy? And I was like, a copy or a CD? And I said to myself, I wasn't even thinking about burning a CD. But since I'm the cousin of Mary McLeod Bethune, I said to myself, why not? So I started burning CDs, but I had to take them to work to type it up on a computer so I look at more professional <laughs> and, you know, not that handwritten stuff. So I had to take them to work and <laughs> things like that. When I was young, when I was in college, uh, uh, that's way back. Well, this is when we were. Uh, I was still a, a junior deacon. I used to make. I, this is my how I found out about the winings and and commission. A brother, my brother Gordon, uh, basically he made a a, a a tape for me. And so I want you to check this out. Cause, you know, I love music and whatnot. So it it ministered to my heart. So my thing is. As I got, as I started thinking, I started making tapes for other people. It would be like my, you know, how you get tracks out to people. You know, I would make it, and it's, it's expensive. <laughs> but people that you know and you want to, you know, touch their lives about something, they're going through something, I would make tapes. The thing that you're, listen to what you're saying of how you did that with CDs, I used to do that when I was in college to just share and say, hey, here you go. You know, and then tell me how you feel about it. How you, you know, and, you know, and, and it's a great tool, great tool. It's, it just feels good to do that. So I hear you, man. Seeing that you're, uh, you know, to do your cousin Mary Bethune, you felt that, hey, I want to do this. You know, I want to do this for this because, you know, it's got touch their lives and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And uh, I still burn them, you know, for the church. And uh, so, in case, yes. So, in case if there's like a funeral in the morning, I would have the CDs for them for someone to play. So that way we don't have to have, you know, someone, you know, even quiet. And then when there's a funeral home wants to use our church, you know, they need something. So that's when I started doing it and I'm, and I'm still doing it today. So everything is looking good. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back to talk with more with my friend, Corey Leonard. We're going to talk about some other things, including when he was on the Dudamus Mass Choir and other things. And we're going to share some wonderful memories. You're listening to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson, Jr., and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to my music podcast, The Black Soul Music Experience Podcast, where I bring you the history of black music, gospel, jazz, blues, old school classic soul, old school hip hop, today's hip hop and R&B, Caribbean, Latin, Afrobeat, Afro-Latina, Blue-Eyed Soul, Disco, Go-Go, line dances, and the Lost 45s. This year, it's going to be different, where I'm going to be doing 
all the talking and I'll be bringing you more artist profile birthdays. And I finally got some special guests to be on my podcast. So in order for me to continue, then I need your help. Please subscribe, go to anchor.fm forward slash Samuel dash Wilson Jr. forward slash subscribe. And please support my podcast. Go to anchor.fm forward slash Samuel dash Wilson Jr. forward slash support. And keep listening to the Black Soul Music Experience Podcast every Tuesdays, available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for your support. Welcome back to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. and I'm here talking with my friend who I've known for 47 years. We were both deacons in training at Community Protestant Church and he's doing some other things. So we're going to talk about that later on. So I'm here talking with my friend Corey Leonard. Now, Back in the mid-90s, you were a member of Jay Nixon and the Dunamis Mass Choir back, I think, 1993 or 1994. Um, how did you join with the choir? Okay, so it's a, that's another, it's a little history behind that. Uh, okay, so let me just start back, uh, go a little back a little bit before meeting up with Jay. Um, we're a part of, I, was, I went to York College and graduated from there. But while I was there, I met a brother named Clarence Brown III, who, uh, rest in peace, my brother has passed on. But at the time, uh, and I was still at the Deacon of the Church, it was in 87, 88, I think it was. And uh, uh, I was, you know, with Church, I got, I got together with Clarence and a, a couple of other brethren that were from different churches. Uh, and we have Bible study. And... Uh, just, you know, we would, you know, just talk about the Word of God in between classes, you know, just, just, just share things and how to witness to people, what beliefs I come from, because, you know, our background, even though we're denominational, you know, you see, we have a, more of a Baptist flavor to it, and the church I grew up in was Baptist beforehand. So, you know, the first time I ever dealt with people were from Pentecost, and Clarence was Baptist, so dealing with Pentecostals and uh, people who are Methodist, uh, Holiness, Choir Baptist. Getting together and, and intermingling with folks. So in that that process, um, uh, the, Clarence developed the uh, he created the first gospel choir for your college. And so, and I was not really a singer or anything, but I would you know go. We have Bible study and stuff, so we would all get together. Uh, actually, I introduced Reverend Nolan to Clarence. I brought him up to the church one time just to, 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 to meet each other. And, um, but it got to a point, I said, okay, fine. I, and also at the time, that's when I was dating Dawn. So I, I don't know if you knew that Dawn, I did Dawn Bradway for a while. And um, so at that time, um, and my brother Gordon got a chance to meet Clarence and she knew Dawn as well. At that point, I joined the choir, started getting involved with the choir, and we would go out and sing. You know, it became, became a, a York House Gospel Chorus. We would go out and sing at different places, right? Uh, we get invited uh, to different programs because uh, Clarence comes from uh, before he joined this, created this choir. He was with a choir by the called called Soul Searchers, which is a well-known group from way back in the day from a gentleman named Benny Hen uh, Benny Cummings. That was like well-known across New York, phenomenal musician. 
uh, out of uh, Morningstar Baptist Church, were helping them and uh, develop a certain sound. They were going, they did albums, you name it, they did all this stuff. So, so going with Clarence and developing these relationships with different people from uh, different other churches and who also people going to, going to uh, their college, being joined the chorus, we got, you know, got a little bit, you know, got around a little bit and um, got a chance to meet uh, other groups which we combined with. Uh, limited praise, my brother Danny, uh, Danny McCullers, had a group. And what ended up happening was we went there for, for about a year and then we eventually we decided to go separate ways. At one of the functions that we were at, I guess, Jay had approached Clarence and said, you know what, I really like your group. You know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm building something. Uh, basically, Jay was an artist under a Savoy Records, uh, where Milton Brunson was the, the head there. Uh, I don't know if you know, uh, Savoy and Malico Records are kind of teamed up together a little bit, but Milton runs the stuff. So Milton wanted to get Jay to um, to put to buy Jay with the choir. I don't know if you know this, but like uh, like James Moore from back in the day, they hooked him with Mississippi Mass Choir for his album. So they can they have certain choirs that are set up in certain places, and you can bring you as a guest minister or guest singer or whatever, and then record with that person. Well, Jay has such a beautiful heart. He said, you know what? I don't want to do that. I want to build my own. I have young people who are hungry for God that are, you know, in um, through Brooklyn and Queens and other places as well. You know, the other, but Brooklyn and Queens was mostly where, where most of us were from. A couple of people from the Bronx, some more people from Long Island. But um, he wanted to develop this. So what Clarence came back to me, and, and we were very tight, because amongst your college gospel course, Clarence had a ministry called El Shaddai Ministries, which comprised of me and a couple other brethren. And so me and he, he and I said, let's go, what do you think about this? Hey, they want us to get involved with this. He goes to the choir as well. And our choir was a little nervous because we were like, okay, we kind of did the thing where we were another group before. It didn't work out so well. And we wanted to uh, just make sure, you know, no we were a very tight group. We did everything together. So, Eventually, the first rehearsal we had uh, was at True Praise, and uh, True Praise uh, under Bishop uh, Reginald Boyce Senior, great man of God, love the brother, love him. He's actually moved on; he's actually moved down south somewhere, and his son is a bishop now, uh, Reginald uh, uh, Second. Basically, so anyway, we um, they had rehearsals there. It was tons of people because this was again we're. He's growing this thing. One of the people that was there was uh, Robin S. Show Me Love. She was the head of the choir at the time. <laughs> so this was before she became, uh, she went to the secular route and did the song, but she was one of the heads of the choir. Um, what? Long story short, uh, a lot of folks came in, and as we joined, uh, Jay just you know, loved how way we were. Um, we, he put each one of us from your college golf course in strategic positions in Dunamis. So I became the treasurer. Um, Clarence overall was in second command to Jay. Um, 
Let's see who else. Let's see. All of our singers became choir leaders in the choir. Different, different, different leaders in the choir. Um, it just worked out that way. God just, and, he, and this is something he said God kept up, pushed on his heart to do. Um, eventually, what ends up happening, you know, we, and one of your questions I know we talked about was that we traveled. We traveled a lot. We, uh, we sang, traveled all over the place. Uh, I, my first time I ever had to, to, to teach and expound upon the Word of God was in Detroit on behalf of Deutimus. I thought about the seven, seven uh, types of praise. Um, so, and it was wonderful. I mean, we had, you know, we traveled quite often. All over the place. One time we got <laughs> on a bus. We used to spend the night on the bus overnight because we got stuck on the uh, on the expressway. Uh <laughs> We had some good times. Even before, even with the Missouri College used to travel. We uh, we got uh, I into a car accident years ago before that even happened, you know, because we had to go minister someplace else down down in North Carolina, I think it was. Uh, and uh, so getting around in ministry and everything else was always a big thing. But that's how we met up with Jay Nixon, how we I got came a part of, how Clarence came a part, how your college came into that. And, even from both albums, I think three albums we worked on, but both albums, that's how I got involved. But I started in in eighty in the late eighties going into the nineties and then I eventually left around nineteen ninety six, I think it was. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it from my friend Corey, okay? Cause you know, Many, many of our church members from CPC, they all come and run into me and they say, yo, Deacon, what, what, what did you do? What, what you did to Corey? I said, I did not do nothing to him, okay? So everybody's been asking me, he said, what did you do to Corey? And, you know, and things like that. I said, come on, ladies and gentlemen, you, you got to hear it from the brother, okay? Please, please, ladies and gentlemen, please. Go see Corey. He, he, it was not me. It was his friends who live in Hollis, Queens. And, and you know, Corey, you know, we, we always been friends for a long time because every time when we go to different churches, you know, there's some people probably say there's no out thing for the youth. You know, there's no things for the seniors and things like that. So when you go to different churches, you, you know, you know, you're going to hear some riffraff from, from both sides. It's like saying, you know, there's some seniors that don't listen to contemporary gospel. And then you have some youth that don't listen to the old folks. You know, it's like, I don't want to listen to that. That's too old for that. But, you know, look, music is music. I don't care if you're young or old. It's something that moves me. You know, when, when I listen to all types of music, I don't care if it was young, old, white, black, Latino, Asian, or LGBTQ. Music is music. It soothes the souls. Music is the healing force of the world. It brings people together. That's how, to me, you know, that brings music is. So that's how you, you know, go around and everything. But like I said, you want to hear this episode? Please subscribe to Anchor.fm. So anyway, when when I was an intern at AM fifteen twenty WTHE out of Minneola, Long Island, it was all gospel. And let me tell you, I had to get up early in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, had to go take the five, get off at East one hundred and eightieth, 
take the number two, the Penn Station, take the Long Island Railroad to Mineola, Long Island, and get there at 7 in the morning because the station sign-on time was at 6.30 in the morning. So I was there 7 in the morning. You know, they will have some programs in between the gospel music. And then when I saw the CD, Jay Nixon and Dunamis, when I saw the front cover and when I looked on the back cover, I said, yay, there's my friend Corey, yay! He's on the mass choir. I said, brother, I support you. I am proud of you and everything. And before, you know, before we went to church and Sunday school, when I was living on, on Harper Avenue, when we was watching BET, Bobby Jones Gospel, you know, we saw you on TV, on BET, Bobby Jones Gospel. And I have to ask you, my friend, what was the experience of being on BET, Bobby Jones Gospel, for the first time, getting national and worldwide exposure? Wow. The, for the first time, uh, wow. All right. Okay, so it was um, Jay. Jay prepared us. You know, uh, we were we were promoting. Actually, we were promoting that already. That album already done by that time. I think the album was already done, and um, uh, it, it was getting some wide, getting some airplay up in New York, but definitely down south a little bit. And uh, so we got invited. Uh, to, uh, most of us probably worked that in, and so you know we got together. Um, we went a couple of times actually, but. That very first time, I'm trying to remember, did we fly? Did I think? Uh, I'm trying to remember, did I, we go together as a group? Was I? I think I drove us. I think I, if I remember correctly, I rented a car and drove myself, uh, Clarence. I think. Um, I'm trying to remember, it's just so long because we went a couple of times. There was one time we left the wedding from Long Island. I. I was getting 100 miles an hour to get down to Washington, D.C. <laughs> for the recording. Um, I don't remember, but I think I drove Clarence, Tanya, uh, Denise, Gary. We all went down, uh, got there in time. Um, you know, it was wonderful. Uh, uh, it, it, it's like, I'm not sure, sorry, what's it, what's a, um, I don't know if you've ever been to the Soul Train Award. It, it's a lot like in terms of the preparation, the production, well, you do radio. You do. I'm pretty sure you're doing the music side of the house, doing the green room kind of stuff. It it's a lot like that. Everything's on timing. This has to be done this way. Uh, we had a wonderful time. Uh, that very first time. Uh, I mean, I've seen John P. Key. That's the first time I actually got a chance to meet John Key. Um, John would talk to Nixon. Um, let's see who else we saw. Uh, Crawford, sister, uh, the Crawford lady. I forgot her name. Uh, one of the lead singers for John, uh, for Bobby Jones. Bobby Jones was, was, was very nice. He was a cool guy. Um, yeah, we had a good time, actually. It was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful to go down there to, to experience it. Uh, I think we sang three songs, and uh, then, then, we, then we were done. <laughs> but it was good. Now, um, I usually be out on, on Friday nights, so I, I be at different clubs, and then most of the, the ladies I see, they're, they're friends of our, our new church member. But uh, I have to ask you, uh, was there a lady by the name of Beatrice Jacobs was on the choir? Because I'm looking at my Facebook, and I was like, wait a minute. 
Beatrice knows my friend Corey? I, I gotta ask you, my brother, you know, uh, how did you get to know Beatrice Jacobs? Was she was part of the choir or something? Beatrice, I remember I said earlier about, you know, Clarence being part of a, 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 a group by the name of the Soul Searchers. So Beatrice is from Morningstar. Uh, that's the church I ended up going to after I left the CTC. Uh, you know, I asked God to show me, and then basically it was, I knew it was going to be between Pilgrim uh, Pilgrim Sermons Worldwide uh, or um, Bible Way with Rich Louis Rogers, who I loved. And then it was going to be Pastor uh, 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 Charles E. Betts Sr. So, and the Lord showed me uh, and basically said, Charles, it's just Charles E. Betts Church. So we ended up going to Morningstar, and that's where I met Petrus. Uh, uh, wonderful woman. And actually, her, her, her husband, Ralph, is cool. But the dude, Ralph's brother is a cut-up, David Jacobs. That brother was Clarence and Clarence, their cousin. They're funny. They would just, we would have just a great old time. And that's who I traveled with to go sing. Jacob, uh, um, David basically played piano or organ for us wherever we went. So it, it, we were very tightly wound at that time. So that's where I knew Beatrice from. Wow, that was very interesting because every time I look on my Facebook homepage, I say, wait a minute, that's my friend. How, how do they know my friends? How do they know my cousins and my classmates? Uh, let me tell you something. You know, I lived through that experience all my life. Ever since I was, you know, in, in private school and then I was taken out of private school and then moved to public school uh, you know, in Co-op City in the Bronx and then, you know, PS-108 and then moved to IS-144 and Truman and then graduated. You know, ever since I be taking the bus and the subway, you never know who I may bump into. I see some of my Truman classmates work for the MTA and then one of my IS-144 and Truman classmates you know, one of his parents that worked for my late grandmother and she worked for the federal government. And, you know, like I said, my late grandmother took lots of pictures and they looked through the pictures and said, who's that? I said, that's my grandson, Sam. And like I said, you never know who you may bump into, whether it's a church member or a cousin or a classmate and everything. And when I get calls, at church, you know, for funeral security, when we have guests from the outside that want to use our church, and uh, we always have to um, get in touch with everyone. So, like I said, you know, when I'm getting called for funeral security, you never know who I may bump into, whether it's a friend of mine or a classmate or a family member or someone that I dated with, you know, back in the day so i had to bring that up because every time when i go out on friday night or if i'm going to a church fellowship people will come to me and say hey don't i know you on friday nights do you used to go to some club back then oh my goodness you never know because i've been dealing with that all my life you still there Okay, I think we lost them, but hopefully we'll get them back in a few minutes. But uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come right back. 
and we'll talk with more with my friend Corey Leonard. You're listening to the Black Soul Music Experience. Welcome back to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. and I'm here talking with my friend Corey Leonard. Uh, we had a little backup thing but you know the old saying you know there's some technical difficulties but you know the old saying the show must go on so we corrected things but you know god has our backs so we're gonna keep rolling we're gonna keep rolling so anyway uh we was just leaving off with uh, some of the people that i knew from back then now you you talked about earlier about uh, going on tour, you know, from state to state. What was your experience when you went on tour from uh, state to state? Did you get a chance, did your choir get a chance to go out of state, like going overseas to the UK or many other foreign countries? I mean, good, good did well. I mean, they're pretty good, but I mean, we didn't let, do something like that. It was more so, and gospel's a little different. Um, uh, we were, you know, we were, you know, we were mostly things locally but from time to time you know there is a uh, a church or there's a uh, a convention or something that they want us to come be a part of we would do it so we would go to bayonne we would go down to uh i guess it's bobby jones with their home times uh bobby jones i think we went to well, it wasn't doing them at time it was another choir i went and had to go to it was another it was, was it bobby jones again i'm not sure uh, I did, I sang with other folks. I, I, at one point, I was burning out. I, I sang with like five different groups, and it was like, okay, uh, this has got to stop. But yeah, you, you you get burnt out, you know, because you see this, you're singing every weekend. Because back in the day, that's how it was. Each church would have a some kind of a concert or something or an anniversary, and then everybody from wherever it was known, they bring you there. Uh, to help, you know, if you weren't getting, if it wasn't a paid guest, nothing, whether the gig was paid or not. <laughs> you know, uh, everyone comes there and you, you fellowship, you share, whatever, whatever. Um, and then if you're, you know, uh, if you're fortunate to have a concert where it was a paying concert, where uh, the Bobby, what was his name? Bobby Bond, I can't remember, it was his name. He he would have commission come in or the Wyatt come in or the Tommy some or Heather Tire. But whoever was was going to be singing at a venue, you know, you know that would happen there. Our venues were not level on that level. Okay, we basically we would do more things, you know, depending on what churches are doing things. And most of the time, we were there to bless the church more than uh, receive something, if you will. Time and time, we wake you some money, but that's basically it. That all depends what the what the contract was that was signed at that time. Mm. Yes, that's very interesting. Now, when I was listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show um, locally on 107.5 WBLs in the U.S. in NYC, um, you know, Ann Tripp would be reporting the news. And then when I heard about the death of Jay Nixon, I was like, man, I was like, I got to reach out to Corey. Now, since I'm doing this podcast, I said, let me reach out to Corey because we need to talk about, you know, what was his... Uh, memories and, and things like that. So what were your memories about um, Jay Nixon and, and what did you learn from him? Well, Jay is a phenomenal songwriter. Um, I mean, he could really write songs that could just, I mean, put you in a whole different, I mean, he, he wrote with such great feeling. 
uh, empathy, I should say, and uh, he was just great in that. Uh, he was he had a good soul too. Great, great guy overall, and he had a very, very, very rich uh, uh, sense of humor. <laughs> As if there's anything about uh, Dunamis and Jay, uh, Jay will have you cracking up. And he would, he would do things. Our band, which was phenomenal, we, we, we called them the power band. It was they were, I mean, side giving great musicians. That they the brothers had we had a, we always had a ball you know we got to having rehearsals you know go to the, the USA diner uh, you know twelve o'clock at eleven o'clock at night you know everybody eating together you know we would have stopped after a while because you know it, that burns in your pocket for some time but in the early days it was like you know going to friendship that or not what was that friendship it was called um, Sherwood Sherwood's diner. Um, but we always, you know, we fellowship a lot. Everybody hung out a lot. We're a real tight group. And so, um, you know, a lot of times either I would take Nixon home or some other members take Nixon home. But sometimes, you know, at the time he was, um, you know, we would drive him to where he gets to with Clarence. We just had a wonderful time. You know, we just see, it was just great to fellowship. This fellowship one. Like, he was a good, good brother. Has two wonderful uh, sons. Uh, one of them, um, Darius Nixon. Who's phenomenal bishop and pastor uh, for and a, a church that he has he's in Queens and his and his son Terrence and it's so funny his brother Terrence uh, uh, ends up working with my brother Kawan on music one day uh, Terrence uh, came he goes by the term in name and why he comes to my mother's house and I wasn't living there anymore at the time I was married and everything else. And he sees my graduation pictures. Like, I know this guy. He said, that's Corey. He's like, yeah, he's, he, he worked, he's worked with my dad. He's like, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, this one's like, yeah, Corey's my brother, you know. And they worked in a couple of things together, uh, working out of Universal for a while until, until that fell apart. But, yeah, they used to make music together. Terrence is very talented, just like his father. So, I mean, it's, it's, the lineage he left with them is, is a great one. Uh, really had a, you know, it's a good brother. Yes, uh, Jay Nixon leaves behind some wonderful gospel music, but at the same time, you know, it's something that really um, moves you. It really um, soothes your souls and, and things like that. Now, as I always say, uh, I know you're no longer with the choir and things like that. So what is Corey Leonard doing now? Wow. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of things happened. Uh, after, when, when the Lord told me to move on from, uh, it was at a rehearsal, if I could share this, uh, I was at a rehearsal and the, I was doing a miss and God had dealt with me and I was watching how the, the growth had happened with the young people that came up. And uh, the guy told me straight up, you know, I said, you know, I said, look, Lord, they're blessing it, doing this, they're moving, move guys are strong. And then the guy said, yeah, your work is done here. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> Just play out. You're done. And I'm like, okay. Um, I got to share this with my brother and, you know, uh, both of Clarence and Nixon. And uh, of course, came to Clarence and said, yes, it's time for you to move on. Because uh, when we, before we joined Dunamis, I shared, we talked, I said, listen, we still have El Shaddai Ministries to deal with. 
you know, because we thought doing this was going to be temporary. We, we at, at first, we thought we would come in, do the album, and that would be it. It just so happened it grew from there. And uh, the ministry really started taking off in a unique way. But now here I'm on there and I'm like, God's telling you, to, okay, you got to, I got something else for you to do. So I'm like, okay. So I go to my best friend and say, hey, man, God's telling me I have to, it's time for me to go. What do you do? What's God told you? He says, I'm staying. That's okay. I mean, that's, that's fine. But I have to adhere to what God has for me. El Shaddai still is intact, but the thing is, I have to move on. And, and what happened for me was it was a blessing and a half. Um, after I left Unimus and stopped singing with so many choirs and eventually got married, uh, when I say God opened doors for me, they slung open in my career. And I, I it, it's, it's kind of amazing. It's a whirlwind. I became a business owner uh, with, a, with a partner down in, in the city for a while. I started getting contracts with, uh, with, through that company. With, uh, with Wall Street, worked at Verizon, doing this just as a consultant, and made a lot of money. And aside from that, I basically opened up a, a real estate business. And uh, I started uh, the first first property I got was in Long Island. The second property I got was a state of a commercial property. As I found out how much commercial money makes more money, I started doing commercial properties. And so I started doing um, lots of climbing up up in New York, up in the upstate state New York. And then uh, I ended up getting a practice from my, my ex-wife at the time. Uh, then, all, then what happened with that is, you know, things get a little crazy. Marriage, is fall, marriage starts to fall apart. Uh, and <laughs> divorce will wipe you out. <laughs> You're not careful. So ends up happening, go through a messed up divorce. And so I'm rebuilding a lot of the things I was doing before. So looking for some properties down here in, in uh in Georgia, and probably re- rekindle some things up in New York. That's that's what I'm working and still doing the consulting business that I have on the side. And, I, and I'm remarried. I'm remarried uh, to a wonderful young lady, and uh, I have a new son. He's three years old. Well, congratulations. I, I know that uh, my mom and I, we we went to uh your your wedding uh out in long island so i i did the, i did the driving so i knew where it was and things like that so we was there for your wedding we was there for your reception and we was there we was there for your new baby and and, and things like that so I, I i see where you're coming from you know the old saying you know things don't work out and you filed for divorce, and then you got remarried, and you have a wonderful son. I, I'm, I'm very proud of you, my friend. I am so very proud. And whatever you do, I know you relocated, went back home to Georgia. I wish you the best. And, you know, it's, it's not that easy, you know, when it comes to things. And when you bought a real estate, I was just thinking about my late cousin, Earl Milton, and he was a member of the Tuskegee Airmen, and he once cut hair at a barber shop and then after all that money he saved up he formed his own real estate business so his son and daughter-in-law they they're taking care of the uh, real estate business and at the same time he served in congress so i got a chance to meet him and when the sunday school has started saying did you know so and so 
And they were talking about our, our church members who was started in, you know, whether they were fashion models or ballet and things like that, you know, come bring your ideas to church. So I said to myself, I got to reach out to my aunt Catherine and she can give me some numbers to some of the cousins who I was going to see in 2004. I went to a Middleton family reunion out in Raleigh, North Carolina. So my, my late aunt hooked me up with some of the cousins that I was going to see. And one who was born in Chapel Hill, Maryland, she relocated down to East Point, Georgia. And another one lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. So I got a chance to talk to both of them. I got a chance to speak to my cousin. He's deceased now. That's Earl Matthew Middleton. And we've talked for 20 minutes. I got a chance to speak with him. He was a Tuskegee Airman back then. And then later um, he served in Congress. He formed his own real estate. And, uh, and, and his classmate was Benjamin Davis Jr., so that was more interesting. So when his assistant had called me, um, she's deceased also, she got a chance to tell me my family tree. So I told her my parents, my dad, Samuel Wilson Sr., and my mom, Aura Irene Thomas Wilson, and I would say my maternal grandparents, John and Aura Thomas, and my paternal grandparents, James Walter Wilson and Sadie Beatrice Warwick Wilson. So she've given me some more information that I did not know of my paternal great-grandparents. I said, yes, I got a chance to meet my great-grandfather, Asbury, but I never knew, you know, who was my name of my great-grandfather because I never asked my grandmother because we went to Mount Calvary for their church anniversary at the New York Hilton. And I got a chance to meet my paternal great-grandfather. But like I said, I didn't ask my grandmother who was the name of my great-grandfather. So it would take like 20 or 30 years, you know. And when this assistant told me my great-grandfather, and, and there it is. So now I kept searching. I looked through the pictures. And when I found out who was my great-grandfather, Asbury, that's when I asked my Aunt Catherine, is that my great-grandfather? And she said, yes. So the pictures are right there. It was correct. So everything is coming out, coming out roses for me. So I'm, you know, like I said, you know, I'm very happy for you. And, and things like that. So we want to get to some of our memories at CPC. So w what were some of your memories while you was there at CPC since we both went to CPC and things like that? It's funny. I, I, I was just talking to my wife about that. I said, you know, one of the things I appreciate, um, you know, I've been, I've, I've fellowship in a lot of churches. And I said, the foundation that I learned from my first church is very good. Uh, CPC, I mean, it, it, in terms of uh, Sunday school, I mean, it was real, like, Sunday school. <laughs> I've been, some of this new wave stuff that goes on in some of these churches nowadays, like, what is going on? That, I, it's like, what? They don't go over certain principles. I'm like, okay, you know, but I, I'm very thankful for Donisa Jackson, you know, um, and the whole Sunday school uh, uh, um, I'm looking for 
the words I'm looking for the group, I guess, that organization that she's already been there. But the CPC was, was very good. Yeah, I, I, I loved it. Um, I miss the people, honestly. I, I From time to time, I, I think about, especially the youth. Um, of course, I mean, being Dawn, stay in contact, you know, or on Facebook. Um, of course, and there's the... Um, her mom, who I love to death, and her sister and her brother. You know, every so often we, I, I say something on their pages or they say something to mine. Um, let's see. Uh, I miss, I, you know, I miss Kashmir, uh, the drummer. Rest, rest in, you know, rest in peace. I, I miss him uh, a great deal. He was, a, he was a good guy. I liked him. Uh, I see Glenn, Glenn's post. I see the... Uh, Quite a few different people. Samantha, <laughs> a great show. <laughs> I miss the folks. I miss the, the youth that we came up with. You know, um, the Deacon Board. Uh, uh, I forgot. Oh God, Dawn's father. Yes. Uh, yes, Deacon Howard. Yeah, that's that's the one who. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, rest in peace to Deacon Howard because he was the chairman of the Deacon Board. So let me tell you, when you have to be there, you have to be committed. So one one time when when we had our sunrise service, he said to me, you have to be there for sunrise service. I said, what? Get up early in the morning? And I'm living over at Harper Avenue right by the number five train station and there's no bus service and no four o'clock in the morning. So I had to walk over there from, from Harper Avenue all the way over to Pear Tree Avenue, just walking through by the time we got to the annex. So it was the first time that I was there. And I mean, 5.30 in the morning. It didn't start until six. And then after that, they start going breakfast. And I said, I walked back home, got my mom's breakfast. And after that, went back over there for Sunday school. But then after I left my late mother's roof in 2005 of January, that's when I moved to Corsa Avenue. Uh, one time, we, we once lived at Hillside Homes, which is now called East Chester Heights. That's where I live at right now, here, um, here in the Bronx. And I'm not too far away from the church which had moved from Co-op City to move all the way up to East Gun Hill Road. And I'm just a 20-minute walk from where I live at to right to Gun Hill Road. So now I come for Easter sunrise service. And then after that, I would either go back home to have my breakfast or I would go walk down to the Pelham Bay Diner, have my pancakes, and then come right back up. And, you know, be here for Sunday school and church and, and everything. So back then, you know, it would be packed on Easter Sunday. But then, you know, by 2018, we would have just our Easter service. That's it. No Sunday school, um, no sunrise service. So everything will be like in one day, 930 in the morning. And we would leave at around 1130. 12 noon, just in time, you know, to chill out for the rest of the Easter Sunday, whether you're going out for dinner or just be over at the house. Cause like every holiday, you know, Frank's family would, would come over, you know, whether it's for Christmas or Thanksgiving or Easter 
for Mother's Day. They will come by, you know, we have our family gathering and things like that. But let me tell you, ever since I've been coming for sunrise service, I had to be there early in the morning. But when I'm moving, when I'm living over here now on Corsa Avenue, 20 minutes, boom, got there in time. No worries, just things like that. So close by, close around the corner and then and, and then everything so you know just like you said you know we, we i keep in touch with some of our members on facebook and like i said earlier bump into one of the truman classmates work for the mta and when we had our truman class reunion this was 2019 was that staying at the hotel in new rochelle you know you mentioned everybody i know i i saw um sharice i don't know if you remember sharice king Col, uh, Colleen Taylor and 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 Ray Balmore, rest in peace, Ray Ray. And uh, I saw some other faces, you know, including one of my classmates who is the house speaker for the state of New York, and his name is Carl Hasty. He's he was, you know, we were both playing little league together. We were both in the Astor Little League. We went to IS one forty four. We both went to Truman. We graduated from Truman. And by that time in the year 2000, I was on my way to work. And then I saw Carl Hasty at the number five Dyer Avenue train station. And he was running for office. He was running for state assemblyman. I said, Carl, you got my support. I'm voting for you. So he's the new Democrat for the new generation. And like I said, you know, I come from a family of the ministry, the media, education, and politics. And once when my mom always says, make sure you get out and vote. Do not put no Republican person in there. Because when we left Eastchester Heights back in 1985, crack moved in. <laughs> that was, it was like a horror show and things like that. So once we have shared about, you know, our church members or, you know, everyone you know, I, I keep in touch with some of the church members that are on Facebook. I remember La Lisa and I, I saw Glenn. You know, I'd be at the Inkwell because I rotate different clubs on Friday nights. So I bump into some of our Truman classmates that, that went to church too. So I, I see most of them on Fridays. You know, sometimes I'd be at this club. Sometimes I'd be at my Iguana on Fridays. Sometimes I'd be at another club. And, and, and things like that. So I just rotate. So ever since 2020, you know, right before the pandemic, you know, if someone calls me to do for a DJ gig, you know, I have to start rotating because I, I had to look for some different flavors. So in order for me to do something, whether it's for, you know, for some organization that any of our church members or they look for my ad on the Co-op City News, which is online, and then you know, people will call me and I want to ask them, what type of music do your guests listen to? So they would say old school. They would say Caribbean. They would say Latin and things like that. I have everything that, you know, for the guests, you know, to enjoy. But you got to say something. So when, when the South Carolina Union had their South Carolina Union dance over at Dreiser, you know, you would have the old crowd and the young crowd. Sometimes, you know, we get a little, you know, you were saying like, you know, the DJ didn't play so good. So that's why you have to come and get a request. 
don't wait until by the time we close up shop. <laughs> so I will tell that to everyone. You say it, I'll play it. I can't play it unless you say it. So that's how it works. You know, when I'm doing DJ gigs and things like that, that's how it works. And most of the people that I see on Friday, they, they, they know our seniors at CPC. So you never know, because I did a gig for the retirees, one for, for, for Jaza, and the other one was for the retirees of Dryza Loop. So all of our church members who are seniors, they belong to those organizations. So I will play their stuff. I will play Sam Cooke. I will play Luther, and I will play some Motown. I mean, how much Motown songs you want me to play? So I got to play some Motown and Stax and Philly International. I would even play the birthday song. I would play some other lost stuff that they don't hear on New York radio anymore. So I will have to look for some different types of flavors that, you know, everyone would have enjoyed and certainly some things like that. So I was supposed to do a gig last month, you know, one of, my friends that once worked at CBS and she's been a friend, but then the rain came in Saturday morning. I was like, man, I was looking for a comeback and everything. So I'm just praying that I will have a DJ gig. But in the meantime, my cousin had tapped me to be the DJ for her 65th birthday. That's coming up in December. So like I said, you never know, you know, you just gotta have faith. Just like pastor Owen said, there's hope. And, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I believe in the power of faith, you know, but sometimes we always, always argue. Sometimes you don't get what you deserve and you just got to keep faith and things like that. That's the same thing that my late mother will always tell me. Did you get that job yet? And, you know, I all had to remember the three P's. There's prayer, there's patience, and you got to think positive. Those are my three P's and, you know, and let God take it from there. So there's always have faith in that. All right. We're going to take another, we're going to take another quick break and we'll wrap things up and we'll talk with more with my friend, Corey Leonard. You're listening to the black soul music experience. Welcome back to the black soul music experience. I'm Sam Wilson jr. And I'm here talking with my friend. We were both deacons in training 34 years ago, and we're still keeping in touch. I'm here chatting with my friend, Corey Leonard. Now, as always, ever since I started doing guests on my podcast, I normally wrap it up with something new. And I call this the Black Soul Music Experience Top 10 Black musicians from all genres. Are you ready, Corey? <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Okay. We're going to start with number 10. Who should be at number 10? I, oh, you put him in an order order. I, <laughs> I, that, that's a hard one. Uh, I listen to a lot of music, and so... I, 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 you know, that's something I didn't do. I, I, I can rattle off some good, you know, singers that I love or musicians that I love. Uh, some of them not black. Some like, for instance, uh, uh, well, uh, from Queen, uh, Freddie Mercury, who's Indian or Pakistani. I, you know, I just, you know, his voice is crazy, you know. Uh, so, I mean, 
mean, uh, there's, there's a lot of, uh, well, of course, you wonder. I mean, Mariah Carey, of course, then there's, uh, of course, the lovely West in Peace Whitney Houston. I mean, I, she's probably the top five without question. Aretha, Ella Fitzgerald, I mean, uh, Michael Jackson, of course. <laughs> um, let's see, who else we got? Uh, Marvin Gaye, the, the, the silky voice of a generation. I mean, um, Jesus. Uh, I mentioned Aretha already, uh, Benjamin Michael, um, oh, Sam Cook. You mentioned him earlier, Sam Cook. Uh, uh, believe it or not, because of because of what he represents and the and what he did for for hip hop music as well as uh, just just our people as a whole. James Brown. You don't realize James Brown's a bad boy, man. <laughs> It is different transitions of music he did from, you know, from uh, the doo-wop to always the soul to the funk. Yeah, he did a everything, you know, with movies out with that. But I mean, a lot. Uh, the Temptations, I mean, David Ruff, you know, uh, uh, Eddie Hank, Eddie Kendrick. There's so Diana Ross. I'm, there's so many great singers. Um, Phyllis Hyman, who I love. Um, Man, and that's that's the also secular. That's the secular talk. I mean. And then the gospel. I don't even mention gospel folks because some of these people I know <laughs> they hear the telecast, and I don't, and I don't mention their names. It's going to be a problem. So there's just so many different people. Uh, I can't even rank them. Uh, it's just, but but my two favorite in musicianship, like I said before, though, is probably Stevie and uh, and Prince. Uh, for the way they would put some approach to music. So, I mean, I, I can't even, you know, I mean, I, I can't even hit it, man. I tell you, <laughs> I can't even rank it. It's just it's too hard. Yeah, so I know it's a little hard, but, you know, once you hear all of our favorite musicians, you know, they bring so much productivity. And, then, you know, like, for example, James Brown, the godfather of soul. He started out, you know, from doo-wop, and then he was in the 60s soul. And then when the 70s came in, he just did some funk and some riff beats, you know, at that paved the way for hip-hop. And, yes, hip-hop had sampled all the stuff from James Brown. So he laid the foundation for the future of hip-hop. And not only that, I was watching VH1's 100 Greatest Moments of rock and roll that appeared on television, whether it's prime time, daytime, or late night. And um, something was at either number 50 or 47 when James Brown did a live concert the day after Dr. King was assassinated. And this was aired, and it was aired on it was aired on PBS, PBS affiliate WBGH up in Boston. So he was there for the whole night and everything. And I saw most of it at the Paley Museum on West 52nd Street. I didn't see the whole thing, but I did see some of it. And that's what's something that James have done. He had rest assured that he kept the black community, you know, in peace. You know, we don't want to do anything stupid after Dr. King was assassinated. There was riots after that and, and things like that. But James Brown had hold it down, make sure that we come together as brothers and sisters and kept the peace. 
and, and and not only that you know he he laid the foundation for everything and same thing with stevie wonder you know he picked up where marvin gay left off when he did marvin gay what's going on lp came out in 1971 it is still fresh as it is 50 years later so when i'm looking at the thing on youtube the, i see so in the comments i say wow 50 years ago and we're still dealing with the same problems that we're dealing with back then is still dealing with the day so when stevie wonder was going to congress after we've lost president carter and then we got to deal with reagan you know to make dr king a national holiday now even though dr king signed the bill in 1983 but then you have some you know black elected leaders they want it on his actual birthday the 15th and yes you have republicans that don't want you know we don't want no negro holiday on that day so you know how the republican party is you know they don't want us to succeed but yes you do have some black republicans but you know the old saying you know it's not you know you're not standing up for for what is right when it comes to things when stevie wonder had did some songs with social issues and you know there was a poster billboard that came out three years ago and it says like this when you love our music then why can't you listen to our voices when it comes to social issues when i met chuck d when i'm i'm at blackrock when records were still there before they moved out in 1992 i saw chuck d you know public enemy you know when hip-hop had social issues so it's just that many patriotic america was afraid to hear some things and 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 same thing with madonna you know madonna came out of nowhere and when i saw most of her music videos like you know like a prayer music video you know she was trying to show america what we are back then but we didn't understand what the videos was all about but you know madonna had press buttons you know you know getting issues everything from racism to sexism and and everything it made america afraid everybody so you know when i i see artists you know they're not afraid to push buttons we're not afraid to discuss the issues it's just that you know the so-called america bad then they like to like to keep things the way things are but you and i know when it comes to these issues when it comes to being black in america and and things like that people do not want to hear the message in the song you know whether it's gospel or soul people are not paying close attention to the words it's just like the same thing when you see a music video you know sometimes i look at videos that you know when you hear the song and sometimes i look at the videos that this, this video doesn't make any sense you know it's not paying attention to the song you gotta have something that has matches to the song and 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 things like that so you know hands down to everybody from all of our genres you know james brown michael jackson marvin gay stevie and aretha and, and whitney and mariah carey and then everybody so we laid it out for you job well done yes 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 indeed yes now yes 
Now, before we wrap up, we, we, we talked about Jay Nixon and we talked about everything. Now, since you was on that choir back then, what is your definition of music ministry in your, in your words? Okay. Uh, whoa. Okay. So it, there's a lot. It's a, that's a loaded question, man. Um, I'm going through some things right now and looking at how we are as a, as a people and uh, in the body of Christ. Um, so there's different types of music ministry. There's songs that we, first of all, I think your life should reflect, um, you know, what you're singing about, right? I think, uh, you know, uh, not to say that you can't sing in a choir, but I think, I think basically that you're living what you're singing is very critical to me. Uh, I think it's not just to me, but to really, not even to me, to God. Um, I believe, like, there's certain things that, I, and this is going to get a little weird, but I'm going to say this, but one of the things I always looked upon, what I looked at in black churches, a black, uh, black gospel music, if you will. Um, you know, we're very good on the praise, historically speaking. We, you know, we can praise, shout, we have a certain way how we we perform a certain way, this, that, and the other, uh, you know, because it's what we're, our culturally we're about, how we sing, how, how everything's on two and four, our timing, everything is just different. Um, when I start getting around certain charismatic movements, um, I notice that they they move differently. Good songwriters, some of, some of the best songwriters, like uh, Michael J. Uh, Michael W. Smith, who I think is a phenomenal songwriter. Um, uh, the, the leaders over at the Brooklyn Tabernacle, phenomenal. Uh, Maranatha, you know these 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 different uh, uh, organizations that write, you know, beautiful beautiful individuals and you know, individuals and organizations that write beautiful gospel music. One thing about our Caucasian brethren they bring that we did not really have back in the day is that worship experience is a little different. Not that we don't worship, but I always look at, like, we can praise, like, which is on the outer court, you know, get you into the inner court. But to get that intimacy of the inner court, that worship, worship experience, I learned a lot from our charismatic brothers and sisters and those who... Who, and even in that, you know, a lot of songwriting, I believe, we, it's, it's kind of, I don't say it's man-based, but it ministers to, to, to the human, to each other. But the ultimate form of gospel music to me is when we come into a church and we're just worshiping him. It's, it's not about, you know, I'm saying the bills, the bills not do da, da, da. No, 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 no. Because he's Jehovah Jireh, he's supposed to supply that anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So the thing is, coming in and with, with, with songs that are songs that are lifted, supplication lifts, and praise, you know, and just praising him for who he is. And of course, you have to practice whatever. But songs that are dedicated to the Lord specifically, hands raised up. That's the pinnacle to me in terms of worship. Is what we are. Is we replaced what the third of the host that fell when, when Satan got your know, juicer for got kicked out. We replaced him, that, that those guys, and we basically worship God. Now God has his own thrones, his angels around him all the time, but 
he had the song of, of, of redemption, which these other angels do not have. So I have, I, I have a various, it's a loaded question for me. I'm going through my Bible study and things of that nature. It's a very loaded thing to ask that question. So that's what gospel music, I mean, music ministry specifically, there's ministry to minister unto God. And it's ministry that, uh, that we sing, uh, music ministry, we sing to us, the man, to encourage, to uplift, to edify, to prophesy, these kind of things that bring us all up. But the ultimate, to get that holy of holies, the inner court, I mean, inner court, but the holy of holies, is that worship directly to God. And that's, 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 I'll wrap it up there. That's, <laughs> that's what I feel. You know, be before we wrap things up, I want to share this with you. You know, when we had our gospel concert, I believe it was back in 2012 or 2013 or, or 14, um, we had gospel singer Dorothy Norwood. I said, this is the first time that I have seen a gospel legend coming in to CPC. And this was a church fundraiser. Uh, Dorothy Norwood, a gospel legend, part of the caravans, one song with Shirley Caesar and many others. I said, I took a picture of Dorothy Norwood. I said, Dorothy, can I be in a picture with you? I said, this is history right here. And I, I had to share this with you because this was a, one of the gospel legends ministering in gospel music. So as you can see, you know, I got a chance to see everybody, you know, growing up, you know, and my late mother, she got a chance to see history too, you know, when when Betty Shabazz had passed away, um, you know, at Jacoby Hospital, you know, one of the news reporters uh, from the Bronx, Darlene Palmales Rodriguez, she once worked at WCBS News Radio 880. Now she's the morning anchor woman at NBC4 New York, uh, today in New York. She was there from day one when she found out that Sister Betty had passed. She was out at Jacoby Hospital, and I was working at VOX, and we took up a collection, and Mom has shared this with me. She saw history. She saw the daughters of Malcolm and Betty. She saw Percy Sutton. She saw Coretta Scott King, and she saw uh, one of the former pastors of Bronx Christian Fellowship, Pastor Suzanne Johnson Cook. And she was one of our guest speakers for Men and Women's Day back in 1996. But, you know, I didn't get a chance to share that my mom's funeral, but I'm sharing it with you now because that was history. That was something that mom had saw. And I'm sharing, you know, I'm seeing some legends, you know, growing up. I got a chance to see some musicians and other music from Tito Puente to actor Ozzy Davis and, and everybody. So... We, I, we, you and I, we got a chance to see history. You was on the choir with Jay Nixon. You know, me, I've been doing different things. I've been, you know, going to different places and stuff. You know, I be around. So, you know, now since I'm doing this podcast, now I get a chance to bring that flavor on the podcast. So, yes. So, Corey, it's been a pleasure talking with you like i said we've been friends for a long time for 47 years and i'm very thankful and i'm very blessed that you know we we keep in touch 
and and things like that. I am so happy for you. Congratulations to whatever you're doing. Continue success on there. You know, you have my support and everything. I am so thankful that we keep in touch. You take care of yourself, my friend, and let's keep in touch. And you be safe down there in Georgia because I have some relatives down in Georgia because when, you know, when I was at my family reunion, my mask comes with me. So you never know who I'm going to be sitting with because I'm traveling to these dangerous states. So wherever I go, as my late mother always say, you get out and vote and leave it like that. Simple as that. As my, as our pastor always, always say, we have a duty every election for every voting. You have a duty register to vote and get out to vote. <laughs> so Corey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here on my podcast. Now, yes. Now make sure you download Jay Nixon and Dunamis. It is streaming online right now. Go to iTunes.com, Spotify.com, or purchase a CD at Amazon.com. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear this interview, please subscribe by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel Wilson Jr. slash subscribe. And please support my podcast. Go to anchor.fm slash Samuel Wilson Jr. slash support. And please pass it on. Thank you for joining me as I close out this edition of the Black Soul Music Experience. Well, that's about it for this edition of the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. Thank you for joining me and please tune in next week for an all new episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel Wilson Jr. slash subscribe. And please support my podcast by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel Wilson Jr. slash support. You can also leave your message by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel Wilson Jr. slash messages. And please leave your feedbacks and your comments and your replies by going to my Facebook homepage. Go to facebook.com slash the Black Soul Music Experience Podcast. And you can also tweet me on Twitter at Sam Wilson Jr. 66. As always, parting, remember this. Reach for the top and your dreams will come true and it can happen to you. From all of us, take care. God bless. Thanks for listening. Have a good week. And please be safe.